Good morning. Welcome to LifeQuest. I'm really, really, really excited for what God has for us this year. I mean, so excited that I'm thinking we will probably, I, I think I've got enough message in me today that we could probably be here until 2, 3 o'clock. Easily, easily. I'm just kidding, Bills fans. We will be done normal time so that you guys can all get to your games. This is a big day for you guys. They need all the prayer that they can get. Exactly, exactly. I, you know, as you, as you think about the, the different things that drive people, right, the things that we get passionate about, and, and for me, you guys know that I'm just a complete and total nerd, and so it's Star Wars and Batman and those kinds of things that I'm just like absolutely love. And I'm not really a sporty kind of guy, right? But, you know, you think about what's exciting to us is is the story, the conflict, the struggle, right? And, and that's exactly what sports is for people who are sportsy. It's that, that struggle, that, that, the victory and defeat, the challenge to overcome. And, and we have our characters that are our favorite characters, right? They just happen to be quarterbacks versus, you know, knights in shining armor. They're, they're knights of the gridiron in muddy armor, uh, and, and so regardless of what it is that you're passionate about, that, that whole idea of story, what grabs our hearts, is so embedded so deeply in us because we're part of an amazing story. And if you're, I would again encourage you to thank you, Nathan, for what you said about our reading plan. Uh, we're on day seven. If, you've, if you haven't been doing uh, the reading plan, totally okay. It's easy to get caught up. But I am so excited I don't know that I have ever in my life read through the book of Genesis and cried before, right? Usually Genesis is that book, I'm going to read through the Bible this year, and I'm kind of whizzing through, and I'm reading the stories, yep, know that story, yep, know that story, yep, heard that story, oh, I never heard that before. God has just been showing up this week as I've been kind of just looking at his word with fresh eyes. Like, God, what is it that you want to say to me this year? What is it that you want to say to us as a church this year? And I know sometimes when you read the Bible um, or you think about reading the Bible, it is intimidating, right? Uh, I, I saw a video this week of, of uh, guys who got the, the Lego Millennium Falcon. This isn't the Lego Millennium Falcon, but the instruction book, if you can imagine, for the Millennium Falcon is this big and about that thick, right? It's massive. And these knuckleheads bought this $800 Lego set, and then they hired someone to assemble it, and it was magnificent, right? Like imagine a Millennium Falcon that would cover most of this table, right? Like the, the Shekinah glory of, of angels singing would be amazing. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Then they took... They took this piece of magnificence to the top of a building and they dropped it off of the building to watch it shatter on the ground. Like, again, like I was, like I was saying, reading the Bible uh, this year, reading through Genesis, I don't know that I've ever cried my way through Genesis that brought a tear to my eye as I saw the Millennium Falcon like shatter into pieces. But 
when I saw the instruction manual for the Millennium Falcon, it was massive, right? And and if you're if you've ever done Legos, anybody ever done Legos, right? Um, you look at the instructions for this, and like it's kind of building on itself. But as you go through, you're like, holy cow! It gets really, really complex. I know uh, the Sophia J- uh, Jackson last Christmas uh, got the Death Star for Christmas. And, and it was this massive book. It was almost like the Bible of Lego. It was like this huge thing. And I think sometimes when we look at the Bible, we're like, it's really big and it's really complex. And I don't know what any of this stuff means, right? And, and we think, I, I just, there's no way I'm going to get all the way to the end of this. And I want to encourage you that, that this year, God wants to speak to you through his word. I, I saw this, this quote this week that I just really, it hit me. We, um, we have this need to hear God speak. Uh, not, we, we all have this need to hear God speak. But sometimes we, we want that to be a real um, ooey-gooey kind of experience. Where, where we need someone to come and give us a thus saith the Lord. And there's totally a place and a time for that. But we have an opportunity to hear God speak to us every single day. And we don't have to come to a special prayer service. We don't have to have some special person who, who sometimes we think that they have more of a spiritual gift than we have to hear God speak. If you want to hear God speak to you, Open your Bible and read it out loud. Then you'll have God's word, you'll see God's word, and you'll hear God speaking to you because that's what the Bible is. God speaking to us. So I've just been, I've been totally loving the material that we're using for reading the Bible. And, and if you haven't had a chance to watch the, the opening videos that kind of explain um, the, where we're going, it's just been fantastic. Um, I, this week I went and I, I grabbed the, the, the poster for Genesis. Try not to make the speaker feedback. Um, so basically the whole video, the whole book of Genesis, they've kind of mapped out. And, you know, again, I'm a comic book guy, so I love the way this feels. Um, but I love how the, they've beautifully mapped out the book of Genesis. And, and again, if uh, you haven't watched the videos, go find somebody. If you don't have a computer, steal a computer. Like, fi- I, just, I don't mean that. Don't steal a computer. Borrow your kid's computer. Take their phone. Some, go to the library. Um, and, and watch the, the videos that kind of map out where we're going in the book of Genesis. We're going to hang out in Genesis for the month of January pretty much. Uh, and, and we've kind of covered a lot of ground this week from Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 24. And, and so in that first chunk, that's, that's kind of this side of the equation over here and, and some of this. And Stacy and, and the worship team, you guys, awesome job today um, leading us into the presence of the Lord. Awesome job. And, and you guys did it. I mean, God did it again. Um, New Year's Eve, we had a fantastic night at the Salmon Creek Country Club 
And, and God gave me a, a really, I, I thought, a, a, a powerful word for 2018. And, and Luke and the worship team, like literally nearly every song that they picked, led right into what I was talking about. And he did it again today. So I'm excited for what God has for us. So when we talk about Genesis, right, it's the beginning, right? It's, it actually, it literally, the, the word Genesis is the Hebrew word for beginnings. And in the book of Genesis, we have a lot of beginnings. We have a lot of firsts. We have the creation of the world, right, where he creates everything out of nothing by just speaking it into existence. And he takes darkness and chaos and disorder and, and he just speaks life into it. And out of, his, out of his love and his power, galaxies are formed. And this crazy little ball that we call home. And, and there's just craziness, chaos, disorder, darkness. And out of that he speaks. I, I found it fascinating this week as I was lear- just kind of reading about the, we have our understanding of how the world works, right? Because we have the benefit of, of science and modern technology and we know that the, that the earth is a globe spinning at a ridiculous speed around the sun. But for first century people or even before that, pre-Bronze Age people, for, for Moses who is the author of uh, of the book of Genesis, Moses wasn't there, right? No way he could have been there. But he he knew the story. It had been passed down, and, and, and God inspired him to record this book of beginnings. And, and so in the first few chapters of Genesis, we have the creation story. And, and so we have the, we have the, the beauty of creation, we have the garden, right? And everything is what? What did God say? Everything was good. There wasn't anything that anyone lacked. No one was missing anything. Adam and Eve lived in perfect relationship with each other and with God. Perfect connection. Every single day, somehow, I, I don't know what it looked like or what it felt like, but it said that, that God walked with them in the coolness of the day. And it was so such a regular thing that this connection with God was so intimate. Even for, for Adam and Eve, their connection, their relationship was so intimate that they didn't need to wear any clothes. And I know for us, we're like, oh. Right? They were naked and they weren't ashamed. There was no shame with it, and they walked in perfect relationship. And then the snake showed up, right? The snake shows up, and you know it says in in Genesis chapter two and in Genesis uh, chapter three that that God created man and woman, that He formed man out of the dust of the ground, out of the clay, Adam actually literally means clay. It means ground. It, it means dirt. And that he formed Adam out of the ground. And, and, you know, my kids were playing with Play-Doh over Christmas break, right, making little things. 
and, and I, you know, whether or not God you know, made a little clay body, I, I don't know, but he breathed life into that, and, and it became a human being. It became Adam. And then God looks around, and, and this, the way Genesis chapter 2 goes, it says that he created everything, the sky, the, the, the ground, the, the water, all the fish, all the plants, all of the everything. And every single day, God said at the end of the day, it is good. And then he makes Adam and Eve, they are like kind of like the pinnacle of creation. Uh, and, and he says they are very good. And then he rests. It doesn't mean God took a nap. It didn't mean that he was like, like he was exhausted at the end of it, right? He it, literally he created the universe. We, I don't know about you, but like I was shoveling my driveway uh, on Saturday, and by the end of it, I was exhausted, right? It was cold, and the ice was this thick. By the time I was done at the end, I was just a sweat hog, and I needed to go inside and rest. Well, the kids were with me. They were with me. They kind of came and went. But they were there. Nathaniel showed up. So, boy, Nathaniel. Yeah, go, Dad. You're doing a great job. I, apparently, what I, the way I understand it is any opportunity, like if I stopped, Nathaniel would go in the house. And, and when I stopped, it was literally this. And, and I was talking to Terry yesterday afternoon, and she said that Nathaniel, every time he kept coming in, I, I sent him in to go find keys so we could move cars. And, and so I because I'm crazy, and so I had to get it down to the black, right? Um, so I had my scraper. I opened my driveway. had to be black. Uh, and Nathaniel, he would go in the house. He's like, Mom, he's killing me. He wants it to be perfect. And I'm like, no, not perfect, just black. Just black. But God spoke literally everything into existence. Everything. And on the seventh day, he didn't rest because he was tired. He just he ceased. And, and created a, a season of patterns for us, which is just awesome. Then we jump into Genesis chapter 3, and now they're in the garden, and, and they have everything that they need. Everything. There is no fear of predators. There's no fe- I, I don't understand it. He, got, he created everything. So there are mosquitoes at this point, and they're naked. And for some, some miraculous thing, they don't bite humans. Right? Maybe. Maybe they did. I don't know. But it was perfect. Everything was perfect. And then the snake shows up. And he does something that he still does today. He gets us to question God's goodness. Right? The whole point, I, I, the, one of the most beautiful things that I pulled out of, of the, the video material uh, about where we're going is that the, the idea of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I always struggled with, you know, Really? It all came down to an apple? Um, and, and if you watch the videos, they don't use an apple. They use a pear, which I think is fantastic. Um, we, we traditionally say that it's a, it, we think that it was an apple. We don't know what it was. It was some fruit. Um, but we, we look at that and we say 
All we had to do was not eat from this one tree. And, and that was the only command they had to obey. That was it. Don't eat from this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They could eat from the tree of life all day long, every day, as much as they wanted. This one tree, you can't eat it. And the snake gets in Eve's head and gets her to doubt that God has her best interests at heart. He gets her to distrust God, that God can't be trusted, that God is holding out on you. And and here's the thing, what the tree of knowledge of good and evil, up to that point, God was the one who decided, who defined what was good and what was evil. And we simply walked in relationship with him and we trusted that he knew what was good and what was evil and what was best for us. And the snake said, God is holding out on you, Eve. You can't trust him. If you eat the fruit, you, if you eat the fruit off the tree, you get to decide what's good and what's evil for yourself. And she looked at the tree and she saw the fruit and that it was appealing She took it and she ate it. I wouldn't eat this because it's styrofoam and it would taste bad. And she gave it to her husband who was with her. Right? We've talked about this many, many times. We always want to throw Eve under the bus, right? Eve blew it. Eve ate the apple. And, and, And we could throw Eve under the bus if Adam was like with the giraffes somewhere else. Right, or if he was, you know, hanging out, like swinging on, you know, doing whatever he was doing, or he's, he's he could do whatever he wants in the garden. He he could go riding lions. He, you know, he could do whatever he wants. And if he was off somewhere else while the snake deceived Eve, it'd be easy to just throw Eve under the bus. But it says that Eve took the fruit and she ate it and she gave it to Adam, who was with her who stood right there and listened to the lie and said, you know what, I think he's right. I think God's holding out. And in that moment, we were broken. All of us. Broken. Our relationship with God, broken. Our relationship with each other, broken. Shattered. You know, in, in, in the, the opening, uh, Genesis chapter 2, it says, let us, God says, let us make man in our own image, right? And, and so he creates a man and a woman, and, and that word image, uh, literally in the Hebrew, that word means statue, that, that we literally are the statues, we are the images of God. So later when we get into Exodus, when God gives the commandment that you are to make no images of God, you're not to make uh, any shape that, that represents God, no other false idols that you worship, don't make any images that represent God. Why does he say that? Because God already made images of God. He made you. And he made me. We are the images of God. I love, um, anybody remember uh, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark? One of the greatest movies of all time. 
yeah, I said one of, one of. Indiana Jones splits open. He figures out where the, the, the tomb of souls is. And, and they, they're digging all night long and they slide this huge stone cover. And, and now there, there's this opening and it looks down in. And you look down inside of this temple and, and in it are all these carved images of, of snakes and uh, reptiles and all of these different things. They were, they were statues to those gods. And when you, when you read about early human culture and the, the, the systems that man created to worship false gods, in all of their temples there were those statues, those images. And for the Philistines there was Dagon. He was like this fish god. He was kind of like a like, uh, um, creature from the Black Lagoon kind of thing. There was this fish man that was this huge statue was in their temple and they would worship that. And, and Indy looks down in, right, and there's this big... There's the, the, all of the Egyptian gods with the, the dog faces and everything. And, and what does he say? Snakes. Why does it have to be snakes? Right? That God, when he made you, made you the image of God. That we, the, the whole point of why he made us was so that we would, that, what does he say to Adam and Eve? After, after everything is made, he, t- he commands them to do something. What does he command them to do? Be fruitful and multiply and rule over this earth. Rule over it. Subdue it. Have dominion over it. That our responsibility, the reason we were made, was so that we would then rule as God's representatives on this planet. And for a season, that was perfect. And then it shattered. And now relationships are broken. And now our relationship with God is broken. And throughout the rest of the book, we see how that spirals out of control, right? We come from Adam and Eve's story, and then we go, so it's a book of firsts. It's the, the, the story of the creation of the world and, and all of its glory. And, and then it's a book about uh, Adam and Eve and their kids, and then what happens? The first murder is recorded. Cain decides that that his sacrifice, for whatever reason, uh, isn't. God decides that his his sacrifice isn't acceptable, but his brother's is, and so he's jealous and he's mad. And the serpent gets into Cain's head and says, "You don't have what it takes." He murders his brother. It spirals even worse than that. As we we read through Genesis 3 through 6, how we we have these guys who just, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And and then we have the flood. And you know, it's it's amazing to me that we use the flood and Noah's story to decorate nurseries. Right? Think about that for a second, right? We have ark and animals and stuffed animals and beautiful pastels rainbows and unicorns t-rexes they're all there and we we put those up in our nursery i I remember there's a a place in kentucky called the creation museum bruce and gail were able to go there 
um, this this past year for their honeymoon, and they have built a, a an actual scale one inch to one inch replica of the ark. And um, I know I, I don't know if they have it, but there was talk when they opened the park or when they were planning to open the park that there was going to be an experience where you were in the ark when the doors closed and the rain is falling and the floodwaters were rising and that there was supposedly going to be um, a moment where you're in the ark as the doors close and you could hear people pounding on the ark, let us in. Yeah, not nursery material. But God wipes humanity out uh, because they had they had just blown it so bad. Brokenness was so awful. He was like, "I reboot. Let's try this again. We'll do it through Noah's family." And so Noah is. They get off of the ark, and the first story that we read after they get off the ark is what? Anybody remember? Noah gets wasted. He he. All the animals are off. He has an altar. Right, we just we just can't get through blowing it. He just has experienced God's literal miraculous salvation. They would let all the animals loose. I mean, I can't even imagine. And, and again, however you want to think about how all of that happened, I personally believe that God sent juvenile creatures, uh, so it wasn't a full adult elephant. There was probably a pair of cute little, you know. Jungle Book baby elephants, um, nursery, elephants. nursery elephants. Oh, so there's the cute part. Okay, nursery. But he builds an altar and they do all these things. And the next thing Noah does is he builds a, he plants a vineyard, harvests the vineyard, the grapes, and makes wine and gets wasted. Attaboy, Noah. Right? And so there's this thing that happens. His youngest son thinks it's hysterical that dad is naked, passed out in the tent, and goes to get his brothers. Guys, you got to see this. <laughs> and his two older brothers are like, how could you do such a shameful thing to embarrass our dad? And, and so they go and they cover their dad's shame. And, and then when dad finds out, that, that son uh, gets cursed. And out of his line comes all kinds of... Of garbage, and so now we're again spiraling out of control, and now we get to Genesis chapter 11, and we get to Babylon. Now here's the thing, like I never, I never saw this before. One of the greatest pieces of now I'm a nerd. I love tech, right? I love smartphones and computers and iPads and and greatest technological advancement in humankind. Brick. These guys in Babylon figured out how to make brick. And so now, here's the thing. They decided, if you read Genesis chapter 11, they decided that they are going to make a city that will unite all of humanity. And it's going to be a city that they're going to build this tower in, this this uh, probably was a ziggurat, which is a, a Middle Eastern pyramid that was so tall that it could touch heaven. 
I want you to catch this, because I literally, God just gave this to me this morning as I was sitting over here. What is the first human's name? Adam. What does his name mean? Clay. Dirt. That God formed. That God created. That God named. That God spoke life into. And now we have humanity again, again, wrestling the reins out of God's hands. Let us decide what's good and what's evil. And we're going to create now. And they take clay. And they make the brick. And, you know, it's interesting. As, they, as they're starting to build, God comes in and he says, if, if I don't intervene, this is going to get way out of control. Because they were making a name for themselves, not for God. Look at us. Look at what we can do. Isn't that how we roll as humans? Broken. Taking the stuff that we're made out of and then making it into something to say, look what I made. When we had nothing to do with it. We didn't speak the raw materials. Into it. All we did was took what God made and we shaped it and baked it and built a city out of it. Look at what I did. You know, when you think about what people think about this story, about the book that we take as, as our compass, our map, our, our guide for life, God's word, they look at these stories and they think what? What do people think? Lies, fairy tales, right? Wise teachings, yeah? Someone who's more, a little more respectful would say, oh, it's wise teachings. Those are good poetry, good poems. We believe that this is the Word of God. This year, we want to be people of the Word that we, are, we want to be in this book, getting this book into us, into our hearts, into our minds. Because when you understand the story, it makes everything else make sense. So, so now God scatters them. And, and that to me is... It. One of my friends posted in the, the YouVersion Bible app, I don't understand why they got scattered. Why is humanity being unified such a bad thing? It's not that humanity being unified is a bad thing. It was humanity being unified to glorify and make themselves great in opposition to God. That God said, no, uh, uh And so now we have Chinese and Hebrew and French and German and the, all the languages are scattered and now no one can understand each other. And then we get to the middle of the book um, that splits because this is the reason for the story. We get to Abraham. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. Because this is the point. So God created us to bless us. He created us as the images of God. That we are his representatives. He made us in his image to rule and to, to be creative and, and to, to live in this place that he made for us and we blow it again and again and again and our relationship with him is broken and our relationship with each other is broken 
And then in Genesis chapter 12, God launches his plan. And, and really, it's really not here that he launches it. He actually launches it all the way back in Genesis 3 when he tells the serpent that you think that you've won. You think that you've done a pretty good job of screwing everything up. But you haven't won. Because there's going to be one. It says that He says that there's going to be a seed of the woman that someday he's going to come and, and he's going to crush your head. But you'll, you'll wound his heel. You will mortally wound him. But he's going to destroy you. That's Genesis chapter 3. God's already setting up his rescue plan for our brokenness. Then we get to Genesis chapter 12, and, and we have Abram, who is this guy that God calls out. He's a descendant of Adam, a descendant of Noah, and, and he calls Abram out and tells him to go to Canaan, go to the land that I have promised to you. And it says this, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. What was the problem with Babylon? They wanted to make it themselves a great name. They wanted to say, look at us. Look at what we can do. And God was saying, I want to bless. I want to give you a great name. And he says to Abraham, I want to bless the whole earth, and I'm going to do it through your family. And he did that through Jesus Christ. That he sent his son, Jesus Christ, thousands of years after this to rescue us. He is that wounded victor that he talks about in Genesis chapter 3 who shows up on the scene in, and we were talking about this at the gate and splits time in half. Right uh, Now we don't use B.C. and A.D. anymore but for literally uh, a couple thousand years he defined time. That everything that happened before Jesus and everything that happened after Jesus. He comes to restore our brokenness. He wants to bless us and he wants to make us a blessing to others. We now, now here's the thing that is beautiful, is we get grafted into the story. Because in Genesis chapter 12, when God says, I want to bless the world through your family, that means that the only people that really get God's blessing are Abraham's family. Any, any Jewish people here this morning? None of us. Out. Well, fortunately, we are one-sixteenth. I'm enough Jewish that if I want to settle in Israel, we have enough Jewish in us. Right? Good enough for God, good enough for the Israeli government. I don't know why, where my mom found that information, but at one point she found that information. But Jesus shows up and he, he presents himself as the Messiah. He's the wounded victor. And he comes to Israel. And then after that, he, the message of hope, the message of restoration then gets 
to, sent to everyone through Paul to the Gentiles. And as we kind of unpack, as we go through uh, the Bible this year, we're going to walk through all of this. I want to encourage you to do one more thing. Um, absolutely, please, if you haven't started the Bible reading plan, jump in. Um, jump in and, and just keep going. Don't even worry about trying to go back. Um, get the app and, and, and start uh, or grab a, a, the reading plan. If you need a printout of the reading plan, I can get it to you. Um, jump into God's word every day because he wants to speak into your life. He wants to speak into your brokenness because we're all broken. Every single one of us sitting here in this room, we are broken in one way, shape, or form. We're either broken emotionally, we're broken relationally. If we've never invited Christ into our hearts, we are broken spiritually. Every single one of us is broken. And every day, he wants to speak wholeness and life. Like he spoke in Genesis 1, let there be light, let there be life. He wants to do that for you every single day. You are the image bearer of God. And he sees your brokenness and he's got a plan. His plan was Jesus Christ who came and lived a perfect, sinless life, died on the cross and rose again so that our brokenness could be restored. That brokenness between us and God that for thousands of years the Israelites had to offer sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice to cover their sin. Jesus said all of that is done through me. I can restore your brokenness. And he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. I heard this story, and it's a powerful story. Uh, A friend of mine told me, uh, he has a friend who's a pastor in India. And this pastor was struggling because their church wasn't growing, and there were people that were coming to his church, but they were people coming from other churches and, and he got up one Sunday and he said, my job as your pastor is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's what a pastor's job is, to, to shepherd, to care for, to protect, to invest in, to, in, to help the flock do the work of the ministry. And he said that we are called to this city to reach the broken And he said, I can't reach the broken people that you know. Only you can reach those people. I don't know them. I don't have a relationship with them. He said, so here's how it's going to work. I am going to prepare my messages. I'm going to do my best to to really seek God for what he wants to speak to our community. And so your challenge is to go out and find those people that are broken and get them here so they can hear the message. He said, but here's the catch. If we have a Sunday and there are no visitors, I'm not preaching. I'm not going to preach. And I was like, what? I'm not saying that that's what we're doing. But it was the, the, the message that he communicated to his people was, the whole point of our existence, and I believe it's true for LifeQuest Community Church, the whole point of why we are here as a church is to bring wholeness to broken people. Now, we're all broken people, right? We watch the video every single week 
that we are all broken people, but he is putting us back together, right? We hear it every single week. I am broken. You're broken. We are a community of broken people that's called LifeQuest Community Church. We're a community of the broken who has good news for the broken. Do you catch that? It doesn't mean that we have to be perfect, that we have to have it all figured out. We're not going to. But God has placed us here in this community to reach broken people. And that's what I love about the gate. We're reaching broken people. We're given the opportunity to speak life and hope into, into lives that are just a mess. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like your life is a mess. God wants to speak life into your brokenness. I don't mean that we're broken in the sense that we are useless in our imperfections. That's not what I mean. We are made more useful and we discover our greatest purpose through our pain and through our suffering. That when we recognize that we can't do this, only he can. We have an opportunity this year, this week, today, to speak life into someone who's broken. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to partner with God? God didn't make Adam and Eve so that they would just be these cute little things running around on this world. He created Adam and Eve to be partners with him to rule his world. And that mandate still applies to you and me today. Are we willing to partner with God and bring wholeness to broken people? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us, give us courage, give us boldness, remind us of why you made us to bring wholeness, to bring your blessing to all the nations of the earth through Abraham, through Christ. And now he's passed on that mantle of responsibility to us for us to be the hands and feet of Christ to a broken world. Lord, I pray that you would help us to light that fire, that passion for 2018. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to have Thomas play a song as we close. Um, it's called Light of Fire. And I, and I hope that it encourages you this week to, to get out.
we are all broken people. and He is putting us back together. And he's giving us a purpose that we are to bring hope and healing to the broken. That's why we're here. Just a couple of questions and then we're done. Do you want to go through another year broken? I don't. Do you want to make a difference in the life of someone else who is broken? We have that opportunity. Blessings. Pray that you have an awesome, awesome week. Again, um, oh, let me give you the prayer focus for today. So this week we're, we're praying through Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. This week each and every one of us pray that we'll be known as a follower of Christ by our words, by our actions, and that we will live a life that when people that we come in contact with at work or at school or in our neighborhoods, that they will see the difference that he's made in our lives and that they'll want that. Right? This morning, um, where's my notebook? Just again, I, again, as a, it's just in, blowing me away between the, the songs that, Stacy and the team pulled together and Holly came up and shared with me earlier. She said, I, I think God wants us to know, he wants people to know that he loves you no matter what. No matter what. And that all we have to do is come to him and let him in. And, and he just wants to flood you with his love. Amen? Amen. This week, go be the image of God at your job at your school, in your families, in your neighborhood. Go do it. almost want to go ready break. Prayer focus, Second Chronicles 7.14. I'm going to email it out today. All right. I feel like Ferris Bueller at the end of the movie. Go home. It's over. It is an egg Sunday, so.